When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what's up? Welcome in Friday episode GC Live. West Mitchell, Chris Clark. Figured we'd check in on y'all. We haven't all week long. Hopefully you've enjoyed our other podcasts that have been going on. Joe and Jack keeping you updated on the basketball side. And of course, Mike Yuva's episodes this week as well, talking football and basketball. Chris and I wanted to check in and wish you all a good weekend and talk a bit about what's been going on throughout the week before we close it out. What's up, Travis? Hope you're doing well. Hope everybody else in the chat has had a good week, ready to wind down, maybe watch a little basketball over the weekend and watch some Super Bowl uh, football on Sunday as well. As always, brought to you by our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Of course, if you're in the market to buy a new home, want to see what that might look like, what interest rates are. Uh, you're going to need somebody just to come up with a plan for you and our guy, Clint. He can do just that. And call him today. Go on the website. There's an email on there. However you want to contact him, he'll take care of you, um, just like he did me and my wife. All right, Chris, obviously the topic of the day, Justin Stepp, um, hired by Illinois as receivers coach. and. You know, I, I think this is one of those things. If you had told me when Justin Stepp got hired that Stepp would one day be leaving South Carolina for Illinois, I probably would have said, you're crazy. There, there's no way that's going to be how this thing ends. Um, if you would have told me, what are we at, a, a few weeks ago now, that Justin Stepp had left for Illinois, I frankly at that point would have said, yeah, that that sounds about right. Um, I think the big my big takeaway here is just um, he wants to coach wide receivers. South Carolina, obviously, Beamer has said, hey, as soon as there's an opening at A and M, and assistants started getting let go, when I saw the opportunity to add Coley, I, I wanted to add James Coley, and so he kind of guess the best way I would put it, Chris, he kind of decided to shake some things up on offense. With that, meant a move for Step to tight ends. Obviously, he does not appear to want to coach tight ends. He's been a receivers coach by trade. Really, you can go back uh, pretty much his entire coaching career at the college level. And so I think for Step, this is just a matter of, of still being able to coach his position and, and moving along to Illinois. And this is something that has been not not Illinois specifically, but this is something that has been widely rumored as a possibility since he was moved to tight ends. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting moves just generally right now in college football. West, we've seen uh, in the last what week or two, we've seen a couple of coaches move from literally head coaching positions. Jeff Halfley at BC moves from head coach of a college program to go be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. We're seeing Chip Kelly now leave UCLA 
and it appears he's going to be the next offensive coordinator at Ohio State, which is fascinating. And this is not obviously the same as that, but the reason I brought those up is, you know, fit, desire, what a coach wants to do and comfort level and security. And when you look at all of the different aspects of how this thing went down with Justin Stepp in South Carolina, you know, if you just run a headline or you're just scrolling up and down Twitter and you see Justin Stepp leave South Carolina for Illinois, you go, that makes absolutely no sense. But when you dive into what has happened, not just in the past couple of weeks, but I, I think even Wes, you can go back to kind of looking at this thing over the course of a few years. It does make sense, right? Um, you know, after year one, Justin Stepp drew some interest for a couple other jobs and, and was at least somewhat involved in those. And he ended up getting a raise and an extension at South Carolina. Last offseason, it was the Florida job with Billy Napier. Um, there was some some talks there. That was something that you and I were tracking for a bit. That didn't end up happening. And then you fast forward to this offseason, it was a little different, right? The, the biggest thing, the, the biggest piece of all this, I think, is exactly what you said. Step gets moved from his natural coaching position, what he's done all his career, wide receivers, right? He gets moved, and then he and a few other assistants basically just got their contract kind of rolled over, just, just one year added. And so if you put yourself in a coach's shoes and those things happen, it makes some sense that you go, hey, maybe I should look around a little bit, or hey, maybe if another opportunity comes to me, I need to look at it. And you pointed out this morning, Wes, on the game, on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, there's some familiarity here with Barry Loney Jr. being at Illinois. Those two were on staff together at Arkansas. So it, it makes sense. Now, step. Step is a South Carolina guy. He's a Midlands guy. This seemed to be a job that a guy like him would love to have, which he did. He was well-liked by his guys. Um, but just given how everything went down, you can understand, you know, why that move was made. Let's be fair. If, if you look at South Carolina in this offseason, you and I sat down and talked with Shane Beamer about this. Hey, what was your thought process this offseason after a tough five-win season? And he explained, hey, there's some things that we shook up publicly. There's some things that we're shaking up behind the scenes as well that, that maybe people don't see, that maybe people won't really uncover or, or hear about. But it was evident that he thought, hey, you know, like you said, Wes, I want to bring in James Coley because I feel like he'll make us better and whatever it is, recruiting, development. And so that meant that maybe somebody had to move positions. And so that was something that signaled that Shane Beamer thinks, hey, we need to get better here. For Justin Stepp, completely fair on the other side to say, hey, I'd rather coach wide receivers and, you know, coach alongside a guy that I also know from the past. Yeah, I, I personally, you know, I, I tend to think if, if Stepp was still receivers coach, he would still be at South Carolina, and I, I think that was the biggest driving factor. However, like you said, um, you know, he looked at other jobs – the last couple of off seasons as well. So uh, not a complete surprise. And since he has been, since he got moved, there were rumors that he was not so happy with that. And uh, this is where it, uh, it ended up, by the way, speaking of coaching changes that just maybe on the surface, um, you wouldn't have thought would happen. Have you seen this breaking news from Bruce Feldman? Which one Chris? is that? 
Chip Kelly news? Yeah, I brought that up. Oh, sorry. I, I was <laughs> typing. Yeah, no, you're good. I, I honestly, I, I was like, maybe I should ask him who all he mentioned before I say this. But yeah. I, I was, I was literally posting the uh, the link on our board while well, you were yeah. talking. Yeah, yeah. So you, so, you did. No, that one's crazy, dude. But that's another one. But like, Chip Kelly's like, hey, I just want to call some plays, man. You know. And remember, those reports literally came out that he was going to get fired at UCLA. And he didn't end up getting fired, of course. He survived. But when when you have an offseason like that, that combined with some of the stuff you have to deal with as a head coach, I'm not surprised that a guy like Chip Kelly's like, let me just go over here and call some plays with a bunch of really good players, you know? Dude, that's... Throw even throw away the context of my man just left a head coaching job to go be an OC and has been say what you want about Chip Kelly, man. This guy at one time was one of the biggest names in college football, and I would still say was one of the best innovators of college football with the making this the spread hurry up no huddle offense what it became for a stretch there when everybody started copying it. Now it's it's evened out a little bit. Teams are more about, I would say, being multiple in the tempos that they run. But for a stretch, I mean, they were doing this um, as good as anybody and faster than anybody. It seemed like, well, okay, now you're Ohio State, dude. Talk about a season where you watched your rival – go undefeated, and beat you again, and then go on and win a national title. And, you know, rather than feel sorry for yourself, you said we are doubling down. And Ohio State has made changes, not across the board, but they've made changes in terms of going out, getting a new O.C., they had already, uh, prior to this year, made some defensive changes that I, I thought were really well um, received, that worked out well. And the NIL side of it, man, as far as just doubling down and giving their coaches the resources that they need, the work that they did going out and adding talent to an already talented roster, to a roster that's already, I mean, every year they're top five talent, I feel like. certainly conservatively top 10 talent every year going out even in some rumors telling your quarterback who's pretty good hey man we might go fishing for somebody better going out getting uh Quinshot Judkins and adding him to an already talented running back room then you add Chip Kelly to orchestrate all this offensively and just say hey Chip you don't got to worry about nothing else go call some ball plays that Ohio State, like Michigan is sitting here saying, we just won the national title. And they ain't even finished their parade, hardly. <laughs> and Ohio State is going to be the talk of the offseason. They'll be the favorite going into next season, I think. Yeah. No, nah, they're definitely not playing around there. And, um, you know, hey, I think Ryan Day made some good moves. Let's give them some credit. You know, if obviously they, the caveat, they have to work out. But – uh. I think he's taken some criticism like he just took over that job and it's been easy because it's Ohio State. I mean, 
man, we've seen you can screw up a job that is a good job and a good place. Like we've seen that before at a lot of different schools. You, you don't just waltz in and just, you know, be asleep at the wheel for a few years and be really, really good. Now, does it help? Is Ohio State easier to win at? Sure, than most places. Uh, but you still have to do a good job. And he's taken some heat. And, hey, maybe some of it's been um, legit. And certainly Michigan's success as of late has not helped. That that puts the pressure on you. Um, but it's pretty clear they're feeling that pressure. And they've gone out and, and made a lot, a lot of moves. So, yeah, Chip, Chip when he has – Heck, he doesn't even have to have amazing talent. He's a really good offensive play caller. But we've seen what he looks like when he has elite talent, which they're going to have at Ohio State. So that'll be that'll be very interesting. Yeah, and I, I think, man, you may look at a guy like that and say, yeah, well, whatever he does with Ohio State this year, well, yeah, but he had great talent. The other side of that, much like you said about Ryan Day, like we've seen people sort of take over a Ferrari and um, turn it into my Honda Accord real quick. Like, we've seen coaches sort of almost um, the the talent kind of has to pull the coach along as opposed to the the coach being able to take that talent and kind of uh, accentuate everything and uh, take it to a little bit higher level. And I I think Kelly's a guy, man, you you put that talent with his brain and – that's that's pretty dangerous. And if I'm an Ohio State fan, I am pumped. Like that's that's gonna be a fun team to watch next year, I think, whether you are an Ohio State fan or not. Kind of reminds me a little bit as much as as much as Saban was dominant at Alabama, there were still those years where Auburn, which has just been up and down and up and down over the last almost two decades. There's still the years where Auburn steps up and says, you know, hey, we're a national title contender this year. And so um, Ohio State hasn't really been that up and down like like Auburn was. But talk about two schools that are just, I think, pushing each other to even greater heights and ra- forcing them to raise the standard. Shoot, you could argue Ohio State forced Harbaugh to another level as well. I mean – that that was the knock on him early on, but yeah, he's building some good teams. Can't win the big one. Can't beat Ohio State, and you know now he's what beating them three years in a row, I guess. Yeah. And so that that completely turned, and now the pressure shifted to Ohio State. So obviously, guys, this is not an Ohio State show, but um, in terms of just big moves in college football, I mean. That that's as big as they come. I I first saw it from Feldman. Is that who broke it, Chris? I couldn't tell you for sure. Probably, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, well, I, I'll give Feldman the credit for now. That's who I first saw it from. Um, Ryan Day played for Kelly, and uh, also has coached with him. So very interesting, y'all. But it, it's been a Hadn't it been a weird year in coaching changes? Like, I guess that was kind of your point when I was uh, rudely ignoring you to start the show, Chris. <laughs> no, um, you're good. I've done that. Was that your point, that it's been a weird year of coaching changes? <laughs> yeah, it has been a weird year of coaching changes. And, you know, I mean, to, to bring it back to the step situation, to kind of double back to that, the original conversation, I mean, 
you know, it is what it is at this point, right? No matter where you land on it as a Gamecock fan, um, I, I don't think anybody could make the argument that after the season that we saw in Columbia West that everything's good, <laughs> you know? And a counterpoint of somebody that might be listening is, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, Chris, but they didn't change anything on defense. And if we're talking about on-field coaches, that's a valid point. They didn't. What did Shane Beamer tell us the other day when we sat down with him? We weren't good enough last year on offense, defense, or special teams. He mentioned all of them, every every phase of the game. And if you go back, I mean, that's a blunt assessment, and it's probably an accurate assessment. And so some of the moves that – there needed to be moves made on this coaching staff or the approach. I mean – they're probably th- – there are things, Wes, that we'll, we'll never even hear. We'll hear years later. Yeah, after year three, they changed the schedule for this particular thing because they, they thought that it wasn't good enough. There were moves that were very, very public, right, like shifting step over, dismissing Montario Hardesty. I'm certain there are some things defensively that, despite the on-field coaches not actually changing, there's some kind of tweaks there, right? I mean, there's conversations – that were had and that and that will be had about how to get better. Now we'll see that what the results end up being, right? But um, where it is now is there's one more, um, and, and I think that's going to be the last one, but we don't know for sure. There's one more coaching um, vacancy. Couldn't spit out the word on staff now, and we'll see where Beamer goes with it. One thing he has done, Wes, this off season, he's added some experience to this coaching staff. Um, when you when you look at Markwell Blackwell, running backs, coach different positions, been an OC, James Coley, same thing, lots of experience, ACC, SEC, been an OC before, coach different positions. Joe D. Camillus, 30-year-plus NFL veteran, plenty of experience. So I'll be curious to see which direction he ultimately goes with this hire. Yeah, and it's just hitting me, man. We, uh, we obviously, you and I haven't done a podcast this week. and. We still got a ton of content before it gets too old, honestly. Um, it's it's still fresh right now, but we still got a, a ton of content from Shane Beamer we need to roll out from Monday. And, uh, you know, lo- lots of different topics that Chris and I were able to cover when we sat down with Beamer. And w- one thing that caught my attention, like you said, he has added quite a bit of experience. From what he told us, it wasn't necessarily that he specifically sought to say, oh, I have to add all experienced coaches with these openings. But I do think it's kind of fascinating, man, how much timing can play into where a coach ends up. What's going on within the cycle of coaching? Every coach, every head coach kind of has a cycle where it's like when they first get there, they are – they kind of have a honeymoon period. And because of that, their assistants sort of have that as well. And then if things start going bad, assistants sometimes get scapegoated and they they end up having to sort of look for other jobs or or they get fired. And, And so sometimes it just depends on who is available. And for South Carolina, it worked out when Limbo was, um, when Limbo left to take the university at Buffalo job, he leaves, 
one of the best in the country. And guess what? Joe D, one of the best NFL special teams coordinators, happens to be in an off-the-field role at Texas at the time. So you're able to make that move. James Coley is available. And Beamer says, I want that guy on my staff. And I'm willing to make some changes to make it happen. That, you know what, man, for for a coach who, let's look at this from another perspective. You kind of made this point on the radio, but I want to add to it as well. Beamer gets the nice guy moniker almost unfairly Mm -hmm. sometimes. And with he he wanted to add Coley to this staff, and he felt like adding Coley was an upgrade. And so, in order to do that, he made a move that obviously was not popular with Justin Step, moving him to tight ends. And that is one hundred percent Step's right to not be happy. I probably wouldn't have been happy either if I was in his shoes. Yeah, but. In Beamer's shoes, he's making the hard decision. And by all indications, in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, Shane Beamer likes Justin Stepp. This is someone he he likes. So you're making a decision saying, I have to put that aside because I feel like this can upgrade our team. And then steps making a decision. Hey, I want to coach wide receivers. I may, I may like living in Columbia. This is where I'm from. But I want to coach wide receivers. So I'm making a decision I have to make. And so everybody involved in this is making some difficult decisions. But with with Shane, with Shane Beamer, it was I see an opportunity because this other coach, in this case, Coley is available, so I'm going to do what I need to do to go bring him in. Yeah, and, you know, from Step's perspective, he may see, whereas Shane Beamer said, I mean, he said this publicly, hey, moving to tight end is is not a bad move for Step. It might help his career and put help put him on the – because it gives him a, another position under his belt. It gives him – um you know, a different perspective. Justin Stepp may look at it and say, Wes, he may say not only does he, would he prefer to coach receivers, he may have the complete opposite view. He may be like, actually, no, I don't see moving and coaching tight ends being the best thing for me in my career. I I think staying on the wide receiver track, maybe eventually getting to OC, eventually getting to head coach, whatever path it may take, he may see it as that as well. So, yeah, I mean, the the – I think because Shane Beamer had not made changes in terms of like firings, maybe that's why he got that. Um, but but also, I do think we lose sight that were there some bad moments the first couple of seasons? Yes. Overall, could, could we still say, despite year three, years one and two, did South Carolina outperform expectations and have some big moments too? Yeah, they did. And so Shane Beamer might have been approaching the thing saying, hey, we, we just vastly outperformed expectations. I might not need to shake need to shake up my coaching staff at this point. We're on the right track. Now, maybe you don't agree with that as a Gamecock fan, but that may have been the conclusion Shane Beamer landed on. After year three, 
the most difficult of, of those three years, he did land on, hey, we need to shake up the coaching staff. And so we now have evidence that he is willing to move somebody and bring somebody else in if that's the best move. And he fired somebody in the offseason as well. He dismissed Monterio Hardesty. So that that kind of narrative, maybe he'll still say, well, he didn't make enough moves. Okay, but we can't say anymore he's not willing to make those moves or he will not make those moves. We, we really can't say that. Yeah, and I think he made a genuine offseason sort of effort. And again, they they do this every year, but I would say an even more fine-tooth calm, so to speak, an even stronger magnifying glass on every aspect of the program to say, is this an area where you lean towards a wholesale change, which we, we saw it, running backs, Coach an area where you tweak but move guys around, as we saw wide receivers and tight ends, or is it an area where you prefer continuity, but you tweak some of the things you're doing internally? And, you know, Beamer has talked about, matter of fact, he told us, he said, hey, guys, we weren't good enough on offense, defense, or special teams. And we have to get better in all three phases, which I – appreciate that quote like I appreciate that sentiment from the head coach but you know Chris I know he sat down with um just to give complete credit um he sat down with the state newspaper as well the same day he sat down with us and he talked about difficult conversations on the defensive side of the ball and so that that's a side of the ball where South Carolina said look we feel like we're close and feel like we saw enough progress down the stretch of the season with the tweaks they made on that side. And then maybe some continued tweaks that that was the better approach in their eyes, as opposed to just saying, Hey, we're just going to completely flip that side of the ball and completely start over. And so that that's why as a head coach, you're paid the big bucks, man, is to, is to know when, when you're, a little bit away and know when you have to just blow things up at some point. And ultimately everybody involved will be judged by how it plays out on the field with these decisions. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, look, the, the reality is I think if South Carolina had struggled, you know, in the last three to four games on defense, this is probably a different conversation just to be honest. Um, but he pointed out during our talk with him, look, lost the Clemson game, right? Uh, not good enough on offense that day for sure, but didn't give up an offensive touchdown. Kentucky played very well defensively. That same Kentucky team then went and scored, what they score, West 31-38 on Louisville, I think, um, the next week, and then had a very good game against Clemson in the bowl game. Um, now, were there problems defensively throughout the year? Yep. But it, it appears, and, and I can't say this for sure, but it appears that Beamer's line of thinking is, hey, we did get better at the end of the year. We found some things. We unlocked some things. We've got a lot of key guys coming back. We're adding some pieces. He talked to us about getting better up front, pass rushing. Seems to feel better about that and felt like, like you said, I, I like how you put it. They're closer than they are farther away. Now, 
obviously we'll see what the results dictate, what the results say at the end of the 2024 season, but that's what he landed on there. So um, different in terms of the moves on the field for offense and defense and special teams was a different bag altogether with your coach, you know, Pete Lumbo wasn't going to get fired. Right. But he told us even with special teams, they were going to look at tweaking some things. And so if you're a Gamecock fan, that should probably make you feel maybe better, arguably that even, even the area they were still best in, which despite the special teams weren't wonderful last year, but they were, you know, still solid. They were still looking at tweaking that as well. Yeah. And I, I think, um, from what Beamer said, he didn't give us specifics. He They were going to make some of those changes, even if Limbo was back. And, and this kind of offered, I would say, it, it probably, not that you wanted to lose Pete Limbo. You you clearly did not. But um, it, it kind of offers, I think, a clear break to kind of say, all right, let's let's get a fre- let's get fresh eyes. Hey, Joe D., how would you do this? How would you handle this? Would you do it the exact same way? Would you tweak it? Is there anything you would change? And I think we'll see a lot of that this offseason. Also, Chris, they've got a special teams analyst um, hole to fill, too. Beamer told us they um, were interviewing guys for, for that opening as well. So it'll kind of be a complete, completely new view on special teams with, of course, the over the overall special teams, as we know, always Beamer going to have a hand on that um, from a big picture standpoint. Before we talk any more, let's tell them about our friends at Liberty Tax. Overcome your tax anxiety. Shout out to our friend Larry and his uh, entire team at his three convenient locations here in the Columbia area. 803-462-5576. Tax time is here. You got to do your taxes anyway. So why not do your taxes with one, a diehard Gamecock fan, and two, someone that Chris and I have gotten to know, and three, Chris, Larry has helped you not only just do your taxes, but come up with a complete kind of overarching tax plan that y'all have been working on since last year. Yeah, we've been working on it for a while. And in fact, we met him at his office, my wife and I did, the other day on St. Andrews Road. 803-462-5576 is how you can schedule your own appointment. Ask for Larry. Tell him the crew at Gamecock Central sent you. I feel great about things, Wes. Uh, I really do. We got a great plan put together. Because of our guy, Larry, he he spends a lot of time, extremely thorough, extremely knowledgeable. And, yeah, he is going to make some – just like our guy, Clint Hammond, he's going to spend some time probably talking Gamecocks with you if you so wish. So definitely recommend giving him a call at 803-462-5576. That's the team at Liberty Tax, our guy, Larry Slaughter. Yeah, shout out, Larry. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate all of our sponsors, as always, here on – GC Live. Get our other graphic back up there. Sure, there's more things we need to talk about, man. Um, Transfers all spoke this week. Go check that out. Mike has been rolling out videos throughout the, I guess, last 24 hours. Chris, you had a Rocket Sanders interview for Garnet Trust folks and an article up on Gamecock Central on that. And... um, Really, I, I thought it was interesting. There was quite a bit of maybe little tidbits, little details here and there from that group. I, I thought it was fascinating. The receiver group seems to acknowledge that they're not the biggest, they're not the tallest in the world. It may, maybe I don't know. Maybe somebody put that bug in their ear 
but they also seem to be ready to maybe try and prove some people wrong there. Yeah, they're not, man. And, and, um, Ready to punch. A little, little chip on the shoulder yeah. there, I think, maybe, Chris? I was going to use the punch above the weight cliche. Um, you know, and for a lot of these guys, for a Gage Larva name, for um, you know, Jared Brown, these these guys are going to be stepping up, you know, a level in competition, right? Um, and they're not the biggest. But these are guys that have some good traits, some interesting traits. And I think we have seen in the past, you don't have to have a roster full of 6'3", 6'4", guys to go out there and play well at receiver. I think the most important thing is for, you know, the sum of the parts to be really effective. And so this is an interesting group. I think there's still some mystery around this group as to as to what this group can end up being. Um, but there are a lot of guys that have some proven production, you know, at the college level. Amari Huggins-Bruce, a guy that's got, yeah, not the biggest guy, but has some very – he can run. He's quick. He's got a, a good mentality about him on the field, a tough kid. So I'm I'm really, really interested to see these guys uh, get going in the spring west to see how they look. I, uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, Amari – saw one of the uh, the Gamecock Twitter pages with the projected just starting lineup going into the spring. You know, you know something anybody would, would throw together and, and maybe say, hey, this receiver, I think he's going to be the starter. I think that guy's going to be the starter. And I think this one had maybe Nick, Jared Brown, and Larvardane. And uh, Amari happened to see it and just responded with the laughing faces. So, I do. I think all these guys have a little bit of an edge to them, a little bit of chip, you know, however you want to say it about going up there or going out there and, and proving people wrong. So you, you may have, I mean, dude, this may this end up being a deeper group than last year. I, I don't think anybody's going to be Leggett. And um, I, I don't think that's maybe fair to expect it, but especially if they can add one more in the spring window which we sort of anticipate them trying to do, then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think this could be – we're, we're going to learn a lot this spring. Like, it, it's going to be, you know, new new quarterback out there, bunch of new running backs, new receivers. Really, you got Simon back at tight end, but everybody else is either new or stepping into a bigger role. Um I don't even know if it clicked in my head until we just started saying it out loud, just how much kind of turnover you're going to have within this offense. Yeah, a lot of turnover on offense. You know, defensively, it seems like you've got more, like, known commodities coming back. Um, but the the good news, Wes, I think you're adding on offense, you're adding a lot of guys that have proven production at some level, right? And a lot of, like, one of them is Rocket Sanders, who's a proven guy in the SEC. So you feel great about that, right? Some of the other guys, you're going to have that question. You remember when Juice Wells got to Carolina and it's like, man, this dude dominated at the FCS level. Can, will that, you know, project to the next level? Will that carry over? It, it turns out it did, right? His skill set definitely translated. And so those questions will have to be answered. But, you know, you'd rather do that than take your chances on a whole bunch of guys who are like, I don't know, you know, this guy didn't really produce at that school. Can he produce here? 
Um, for the most part, there are some guys like like Monkel Goodwine would fall in the category of talented guy, big time recruit, didn't play a lot at Alabama. But you can also see maybe why he didn't play a lot at Alabama, given some of the guys they have. You know he has talent. Can you unlock it? Then you have a guy like I mentioned Larvindane earlier. He's played a ton of football at a couple of different schools before South Carolina, and he's had a lot of production. So the question is just, does it carry over? So um, that said, still a good many question marks offensively, still a lot of new faces. And uh, so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see like literally every position offensively this spring. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, like we said off top, one more position to fill for South Carolina staff. And then at least for now, this thing will, I mean, you never know. When did um, when did Jimmy Lindsay leave last year? I mean, it's not, nothing's ever completely sewed up anymore, but we, we would not anticipate any other changes at this time once South Carolina has this final spot filled. And I do think, Chris, to kind of close it out on the same topic we started with, in a weird way, if Step had just left like straight from being wide receivers coach, which, again, I don't think he would have, but let's say he had. He just left. To me, that's a much bigger shakeup. That's a much bigger, like, all right, are there going to be guys in the room that are mad? Are they going to transfer? Does it screw up your recruiting process? It would be a much just bigger thing in terms of what's going on at South Carolina right this second than it is the way it played out, which was, a transition of, hey, I'm, I'm, let's say I'm Mazio Bennett. Let's say um, I'm DeBron Gatling. Step was still in the building. That's the guy that recruited me. Both of them already knew James Coley. And there was kind of an easy transition to say, hey, this guy's taking over the room, but Step's still down the hall if you want to talk to him during this transition. And as far as recruiting tight ends, I mean, Step had been on the job a few weeks, you know, it's not like you were getting super deep into that process with those guys. And and so I think because of the way it played out, South Carolina had already started to reshape their receiver board. We know that we saw a bunch of receiver offers going out Um, receivers room, man, you're talking about, I mean, how many guys are in the room? It's a lot of times you add walk-ons. It's, it's nearly 20 guys that you're managing in that receiver room. Tight end room, it's like add in walk-ons, five, six, seven guys. So it's a little bit different. Um, It won't be quite as important of a hire because they've already gone out and hired a receivers coach. They're kind of just filling a tight ends role, which can go either way. Sometimes you go super veteran. You mentioned Pat Washington earlier. Uh, Will Muschamp bringing him him. Sometimes look at the Eric Kimry hire. Sometimes that is kind of a gateway position for somebody who's been off the field in an analyst role, somebody who's been at the high school ranks. Generally, it's the first spot you give away to someone who's moving into the college ranks. So I just, I don't think, I think, yes, it's a loss because people know what step is about. The reactions from the players, incredibly positive about their relationships with him. But in terms of just shaking things up within the program, I think that part already took place 
with the Coley hire, and people have kind of moved on from that part internally, I think. Yeah, I think so. Not not as big of a deal. I mean, it is interesting. You think about a guy like Brady Hunt West that was recruited by Jody Wright, nearly ended up at A&M, gets in. Now your coach is just a step. Oh, no, it's not. Right? And so, you know, but but for a guy, I mean, look, a guy like Josh Simon, a guy like uh, Brady Hunt, who just, this is his first year at South Carolina, but he's been around. They get it. And – I think those guys will be fine. Some young players, of course, at tight end on this team. I think those guys will be be fine as well. And um, we'll see. It will be interesting to see which direction Beamer goes with this. He has leaned Wes, it seems like, on more experienced guys with his, his other couple hires this offseason. Will he go the same route? I think it's possible, but definitely don't know that for sure. We'll see how it goes. We shall see. I got a feeling it could be fairly quick. No reason to no reason to rush it if you're Beamer, but um, there are at least a few little indications that it could be a fairly quick hire. Don't know that for sure. We will find out soon. Um, I tell you, Chris, the one guy that I think this could be a potential factor with, Marshall Pritchett. And so I think if you're going to circle recruit and say, Keep an eye on this. Pritchett, a not an in-state guy, but is from South Carolina and is a tight end, a priority target, and is going to decide soon, potentially. Could decide as soon as in March. And even though he was not originally offered by Step, he was originally offered by Jody Wright, there is a relationship there with Justin Step, And so I, I think for him, that would be one where we'll see this just the overall feelings about South Carolina and Beamer and the program, a program he seems to like quite a bit. Does that maybe overtake the fact that, yes, you, you've seen multiple changes now at your position and you're ready to make a decision soon? If he was going to be, you know, one of these June, July, August guys, I would probably tell fans, don't worry about it. There's a bunch of visits to come. If he decides in March, uh, Chris, I think it could be a factor in his decision. Yeah, that is a good thought. Maybe, maybe it actually helps because he's like, all right, it's changed two times. It can't change anymore at this point. But in, in seriousness, um, you know, it, it is a storyline to watch. Um, Jody Wright had built a good rapport there. Him and Step were kind of getting acclimated to each other. So it's a question, right? It's a fair question. And, um, that's something that will certainly one one of the very many things that we'll be trying to gather once the new hire is in place for sure. All right, man. Um, all right to everybody that hung out with us today. We appreciate y'all. Appreciate you if you joined uh, after the fact on all the podcast platforms wherever you're watching or listening. We appreciate every single one of you. This show, of course, normally and originally streamed on YouTube every time, but then also posted on all the podcast platforms. So whether you are Apple Podcasts, whether you're whatever Android calls their app or your Spotify, uh, you should be able to find every episode on those platforms every single time. Also, I think it's on Twitter, Facebook, whole nine yards. However you watch or listen, we appreciate you. And we appreciate our sponsors for making this possible as well. For Chris, I'm Wes. Enjoyed it. Y'all have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon.